And unfortunately, that also has that consequences of you have a teenager who has never been trusted with anything. And then you're like, all right, who are you? And he goes, I am a, no, shut up. Actually, what you are is you're this, you're going to be this, we're going to make sure you're this, and this is the, how you're going to do it, this is the schools you need to go to, and he's like, I'm not listening to you, pulls up a phone, and the app says, you want to be a man, this is the school you're going to, this is the <laughs> job you're picking, and he's just like, yeah, I'm gonna listen to this guy, and it's like, all right, bud, like, everyone's looking for a role model, everyone's looking for a leader, and unfortunately, if you reject the ones you got, the other options aren't that great either. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Rising Father podcast. I'm Chris Rodak. I have Mike Danson with me from The Uncivilized Man. We connected on Instagram and had a chat, and I just love what he's doing for young men. I feel like it's super needed in today's world, and he's inspiring young men and helping guide them and mentor them. So welcome, bud. Hey, thank you. I appreciate having you on. And even as not a father, I'm a big fan of your podcast and the honesty that it comes with. So I'm excited to do this with you. Yeah, that's that's what it's all about. It's about being honest about our struggles and things that are bugging us and ways we can rise and help each other. And um, guys like you are are doing that to the younger generation. That's it's really interesting. So I, you know, I said, yeah, let's let's do it. Because I talked with a lot of men's coaches, a lot of experts in the fatherhood field that are working with adult men, adult fathers, but not a lot of them are working with the younger men. And um, I'm a teacher. I work with guys that age. I know the struggles they go through. Um, it's a difficult time. I remember when I was that age, I was very um, conflicted about things too. I, you know, I could have used a guide. So I feel like it's a really unique thing you're doing. So can you start us off? Tell us just like a little bit about you, your background and what exactly it is you're doing. Absolutely. Um, so my cliff notes is I am a Marine Corps veteran. I am 36 years old, living here in Florida. And I originally have done a lot of things. I didn't know what I was searching for. I just assumed that the job or the career would have it. Um, before the Marine Corps, it was like searching for purpose, found it in the Marines going, deploying, came home and it was like, all oh, your brotherhood, all that connection. Now it wasn't the most positive connection, but it was the best you had. And, uh, no matter how miserable it was, you had your brother. So then I searched for connection and community and a lot of different fields. I've been a barber, uh, bar service industry volunteering work, um, telemarketers and pipe fitters. And I joined a union thinking, mm -hmm. okay, that was it, right? I, that, that's brotherhood. They just nothing, but they don't talk about like brotherhood, brotherhood. Well, it was brotherhood as long as the, you know, everything was work was okay. Mm -hmm. Like as long as you didn't mess with their money and stuff like that. So it didn't mm -hmm. go, you had to do a little extra work to go deep. And there's some amazing men I met that I still stay in touch with now. Um, until that moment I hit personal development and it was just like, like, Hey, this is men's work. Like we do more than just sports and beer. And we actually like call you forward and say, Hey, earlier you said you were going to be X, Y, and Z. 
and you haven't shown up that way. So how about you tell us what's going on? Why the change? Not your bad, not your good. Just, hey, what's the change? Can you explain it? You seem pissed off right now. You want to tell me why? And then when you say it out loud, you're like, I'm mad because of what? Like I was over here thinking it was the worst thing ever until I told you. So yeah, I took all of that and it kept hitting me like, what do you want to do? What do you want to be? And it's like, who do you want to help? Like, what's your purpose? What are you here for? And I'm here to give opportunity for boys to become brothers and together change the world of men. I love it. Um, so what are the ages you work with? So I work with 13 to 18. Um, the big premise is keep them in the, the same life experiences. Um, I had a gentleman, I had a 18 year old in college the last time, freshman in college, starting all over with that fear of being the new kid on the block and was able to relate to a 13 year old as they were discussing 13, 14, being a freshman. So preferably like that high school, um, that eighth grade, eighth grade to high school range kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and it's more dependent on the guy than it is on the young man. Mm. Um, that being said, anything past that age, they're just experiencing different things. And I would be more than happy to send them to a men's coach. They can help them like, hey, you missed out on some stuff. Cool. Let's work together, be a mentor, you know? Mm. Mm. So take me through, you said you had a bunch of odd jobs. I did too. I did. Um, I think I had, I wrote them all day. I did a separate podcast just about my odd jobs when I was starting out. I did, I think 12 different jobs, worked at McDonald's. I worked at a place called One Call, called Before You Dig. Like before you, before you yeah. dig into the ground, you had to call me to see if you'd blow yourself up. Yeah. I, was a, I was a caddy. I did so many different jobs. I think like oh, 12, maybe landscaping, all kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. But yeah, fun times. You get to meet all kinds of crazy people. But you said you went from pipe fitters union and then to to men's work. So dig in a little bit more if you can right there. Where What was the transition there? Like, how did you go from this to this? Honestly, it sounds so cliche. It's about a girl. I looked at the last um, three consecutive, like long-term relationships. Mm. And I was blessed with one of them. Um, didn't hurt nothing. Her name is Kelly. And it was, she actually, we got in this huge fight. I was like, what are we fighting about? And for the first time ever, I was like, hey, could you tell me what I said? And so much hate came off of her. And all of these horrible statements. And all I asked was like, hey, can you not do this? However, as you know, what we project emotionally is what's actually read far more than our words. And so my just, all of this hate and discontent that I was born and raised and bred with, with the Marine Corps, and they put the rubber stamp and said, we're going to teach you better at it, shifted into like how I connected to everyone. So I went and found a relationship coach, Mark Groves. And the first thing he says is, you're not broken. I'm like, nah, bro, I'm pretty sure I am. And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, you're not broken. Like all his podcasts are this way. You're not broken, you just don't know what the fuck you're doing. And it was just like, hey, if no one taught you the skills, they just taught you what their parents taught them or their peers taught them. So if no one's taught you communication relationship skills, you really have no idea what you're doing. 
you're just stumbling through it. And then every one of his podcasts would teach you like different skills and mindsets and stuff. And then he started having men's coaches on there. And that hit a that hit that chord of like, hey, community, brotherhood, connection, calling each other forward, keeping that edge, like nice guy stuff. Oh man, I could go on for days about nice guy stuff. Like finding out about no more Mr. Nice Guy and realizing I fit that bill completely. And so that led me down the kind of the rabbit hole, more podcasts, more courses, finding master classes, attending those, um, finally seeking therapy for PTSD from the VA, like finally saying, yeah, that doesn't make me something that's mm -hmm. just taking advantage of a service they offer mm -hmm. and going from the simplest way to explain that is I went from believing that baseline was supposed to be missing. Hmm. To, to a point where like I wake up and I spend my first 30 minutes of my day just thinking about all the cool things I'm grateful for. Like, and I just started. So yeah, needless to say, it was kind of one of those, I started about a girl and then I found out like, it's never about the girl, it's about you. <laughs> and that just exploded open the door. And I went head first, like, as if I, uh, Traver says this a lot, said his first workshop, he walked in there and by the time he left, it was like someone told him, hey, did you know you have a left arm? You can do everything you can do with your right. You actually have a left to do it too. And by the end of that weekend, he was like, holy shit, guys, look at all these cool shit I can do with two hands now versus like, and that's what I, it was like, I've spent my whole life without math. And then someone's like, hey, did you know math exists? No, like here. Now you can explain everything that goes on in your life. Oh, wow. And work on it. And so it's ever since then, it's been like, where go, why go anywhere else? So for you, it was mostly um, detaching yourself from the dependency on a girlfriend, on a woman. A lot of it had to do with that. It was a lot of, the idea that the connection, like the, a lot of it is the, was the idea that that was my only person. Okay. You know what I mean? Like that codependency stuff in that corner. And then on the other end of it, as like, that's the only person you're supposed to show emotion to. Mm. That's the only person you're supposed to actually have deep conversations with. Cause that's yeah. your partner. Yeah. Like everything else you just bear. Mm. You go to work, do your stuff and go. Yeah, and I've joined of recently, the past few years, got more into men's groups and starting my own and joining some. You know, even if you start your own and you help other men, you always need to have people guiding you and helping you. Especially like I'm only, like you're 36, I'm only 35, I'm only 35, and you're all you're a 36. Can you believe it? Um, <laughs> but uh, the best decade, <laughs> and. I mean, we have so much to grow and there's so many brilliant, wise people out there willing to help you. And if you don't seek it out, you're really shutting yourself off from an entire, an entire world and from a new life. Like you, if I continue to seek mentors, to seek wisdom and education, like when I, man, when I turn 40, five years from now, like who knows what I could be? Who knows who I could be if 
I continue humbling myself and saying, no, you don't know everything. Like Mm -hmm. you need guidance. You need people to show you the way. And some of these men's groups are just extremely powerful. I mean, you've got very successful, like I was in one, a call a couple of days ago, this millionaire business tycoon is just in tears because he feels like he's failed his life only focusing on money. And, you know, he said, oh my goodness, what can I do? I've, you know, I've been focusing on money. I haven't paid attention to my wife and children and now they're grown. And then you have, you know, people coming in and comforting him, showing him how he can change things right now. I mean, that does not happen sitting on your couch watching Netflix. You know, it's like the bar either. No, I mean, this one hour call like changed my life. I was like, my God, this is worth everything. This is worth, you know, 10 times the price of admission. Like, I mean, I would pay that 10 times over just to hear this one call again. And so many times we think the things we're struggling with are only affecting us. Mm -hmm. It's like, man, that's a guy thing, man. We think like, yeah, it's only me. This is my battle. I'm the warrior trudging up the mountain alone. And when I get to the top, they're going to make a statue of me. It's like, no, you need to share what you're struggling with, with other people, because guess what? You're going to help someone out there. Your problem is a million guys problems. And what do you think you're struggling with? Someone else has the problem has already solved it and could help you solve it with one little sentence. And it's just amazing what these groups can do for people. What, what are you finding? um, Like what's a specific issue that would affect someone in the 13 to 18 younger range? So the younger range, you hit such good points with the the guy. I want to play with that too. Uh, For the younger range, I would definitely say one of the key points is already being on guard. Mm. And I'll expand on that. Um, You know, I love story and I love metaphor. I told you that before. Um, Think back to when you were a kid, and I'm sure your listeners are of our generation and the generations before us. When you're a kid, you had those tight, tight best friends, those those super close neighborhood friends that started by proxy, like literally just, and uh, one of our elders from the nation explains it perfectly. He's like, you build intimacy, like true connection and relationship through time, through going through hard things, coming out on the other side, consistency. That's how you build that trust, which builds relationship, which builds intimacy. And I just butchered his quote. So hopefully Dewey uh, mm-hmm. forgives me. And uh, that being said, though, you got to struggle with these kids because that's who you interacted. That's who you spent the most time with. It was consistently the same ones. They don't have that. It is detachment, not from lack of choice, but from the abundance of choice. And so it's actually, so it's instead of it's like, okay, these are your six kids you hang out with, you spend all this time with. Now it's, here's your 300 friends on Twitch, your 2000 followers on Instagram. The, like, it's just, that's, it's there. It's more prevalent communication, more prevalent connection. And like, they just don't go deep. And then they don't see their parents going deep. There's kids that I talk to now that have a better connection with the online therapist than they do with their parents. I believe it's it. like, yeah. And in that disconnection from that just time and task of being able to go deep sets you up even more guarded than you're going to be about doing men's work, 
doing, you know, going deeper with a friend because you don't even practice it. It wasn't small stuff at first, like first kiss, first this, first that, sharing it with your friend. No, now it's on Instagram. And if no one liked it, you're screwed. Like you're going to never going to share that again. Or someone in India is going to make fun of you now for it because you did it wrong. <laughs> like these kids are on guard and are affected. Like if you want to go to the medical side, they're just getting pumped with so much instant gratification, dopamine like that, where it's running them into fight or flight. Like they are staying in fight or flight for longer than they're staying out of it. Because there's always something focusing your brain. There's always something to pay attention to. Your brain doesn't get a chance to idle and relax and like work through problems, get creative, be bored outside. Instead, there is another app, another tablet, another task, another this. It is just overwhelming. So you have a whole bunch of brand new sports cars redlining almost before they turn 20. And then they wonder why they're doing full breakdowns in college when they have sovereignty to take a break and they can't handle any more stressors. Any more responsibility or stressors, puts them right over there. Are you finding that social media, it sounds like, is one of the main drivers of the issues these kids are having? I think it's a tool. Like I was listening to some other stuff earlier and I firmly believe it's a tool that could be the best thing for them or the worst thing for them. And no one's given them 20 seconds of like, hey, this is the background and this is the rules. There's no structure. It's, they have full, they're the ones that are figuring it out. Yeah, I kind of look at it like we look at the, the tobacco industry in the 20s, whenever okay. that, gen, that generation was experimented upon with cigarettes and marketing and it, you know, they're just, they were brainwashed into thinking they were healthy. But then, you know, 80 years later we say, Oh, sorry guys, you all have cancer. Um, so to me, that's what the, um, the cell phones and social media are to this generation of young kids. It's, they're just, it's all in their face. Everyone at school has an iPad, you know, everyone, everywhere has a cell phone and iPad and, and video games when they get home TV when they get home. And then 80 years from now, we're gonna go. Oops, sorry. We learned yeah. from that. We learned from that, and it'll um it puts such an onus on the father, and on the parents to trust your own gut and instinct. Like, hey, maybe when we go out to dinner and it's just me, my wife, and my son, he shouldn't be on his iPad and we shouldn't be on our phones. Like, yeah. maybe that's not a good thing. Um, but the constant social media for kids. Yeah, I can definitely see that wreaking havoc. And as you said, there's no guidelines. It's like the most powerful tool anyone has ever had just thrown to children. And it's changing every single day. You know, it's like giving my son a pocket knife for his birthday. And then the next day it turns into a butterfly knife. And the next day it turns into a grenade. Like it's changing every single day. Like cell phones are changing every single day. There's a new app, TikToks and AppChat. And there's going to be something else tomorrow. And we don't have no idea what it does. And we're just and giving, them, giving them to the children. And I agree. Because like, look, there's no buffers. So even that father. So in that scenario, the father says, hey, you should do it this way. should do it that way. Why? Because the father's like, man, if I have to stare at another screen, I'm going to lose my mind. Because somewhere in him, he has this voice that says, hey, remember life before? 
Like your eyes didn't hurt so bad when you didn't stare at a screen. I promise you, I noticed it immediately when I started working from home versus going and be, working in the field as a pipe fitter. My screen time increased, my sitting increased, and I felt it because I had a memory to play it against. So these kids have no baseline and no buffer that tells them, hey, there is a way to feel more comfortable. They're back to what I was feeling with PTSD, where their baseline is this pain in their head, the pain in their eyes, the crouch in their back, pain in their neck. They don't know that it could be better. They don't. I, I remember I got my first cell phone in college and I, ca I came from a big family. I, I have eight brothers and sisters, hmm. um, two bedroom house. We had, and I thank my parents for this now at the time when I was a kid, I hated it, but we had one TV in our living room. And then when my, mostly my dad, when he thought we were watching too much TV, he would take the TV angrily and put it in the basement and put a cover over it. So, <laughs> so no one could watch TV. And that, that lasted a few weeks. And then, you know, when there was something everyone wanted to watch, we had to bring it up. But these things were heavy as hell. They oh, were yeah. big, clunky TVs. So it was a pain in the ass bringing it back and forth. But yeah, I mean, we spent our lives outside riding bikes, running through the woods. Well, you know, I live in the kind of neighborhood where we would go out riding bikes in the morning and then we would come home. Somehow we could hear my mom yelling for us to come home for dinner. She would literally, you know, it's like a stereotype, but she would do that. She would stand on the front porch, yell for us to come home for dinner, and we would just hear her in the neighborhood somewhere and oh, come yeah. come riding. And then she'd have an amazing dinner on the table. Like that is a, a different experience. You know, we weren't texting her, you know, hey, mom, I'm going to be home soon. She wasn't texting us, hey, be home in an hour. It's just somehow we, we didn't have, I don't even think I had a watch. I'd never watch. I'd never phone. I'd have anything. But we got home to dinner on time and yeah. we were able to do all these things. And yeah, it's it's an it was an amazing time. I think it looks like there's nineties, man. We we were lucky to grow up then. Pre we just lot. right before cell phones. Yeah. Golden era. We had a lot, we had a lot more belief in ourselves. And we had a lot more trust and trust from our parents. Because our I would also say is our parents didn't have the fear because we were we're we're pre the 24 hour news cycle. Yeah. So it was no longer like we watched what happened almost overnight. Everyone was panicked about child kidnapping. Mm -hmm. Child kidnapping does happen and it does happen often. However, it is not at the numbers that you would believe you put on the TV in the night in the late 90s. Because it wasn't just, hey, this is happening. It's, hey, this is happening at right next door. It's like, no, it's not. That's in a different country. And like, we should do something about that. You know, we should help. We should support it. No, they just, it would spin. It was like, do you lock your doors? Do you know where your children are? It's 9 p.m. Do you know where your children are? Like, that's the famous mocked statement because what it was, they made you afraid to be a parent because then you would tune in to find out the next tip or the next trip or see what big scary thing happens to the other parent. So then all of a sudden, kids got lost their sovereignty. So you have now, you have a bunch of kids who were shuttled back and forth. They don't get a choice in the matter. We're not, and we're really, like, you think of like Japan or something like that. If you hear Traver's podcast and um, other people who talk about growing up in other countries, kid jumps on the subway, goes to school, grabs groceries on the way home, blah, blah, blah. That's not happening here. You see a 10 year old walking by himself, you're calling the cops. Yeah. 
you know? So it's just, we live in a different mindset. And unfortunately that also has that consequences of you have a teenager who has never been trusted with anything. And then you're like, all right, who are you? And he goes, I am a, no, shut up. Actually, what you are is you're this, you're going to be this. We're going to make sure you're this. And this is the, how you're going to do it. This is the schools you need to go to. And he's like, I'm not listening to you. Pulls up a phone and the app says, you want to be a man? This is the school you're going to. This is the job you're picking. And he's just like, yeah, I'm going to listen to this guy. And it's like, all right, bud. Like everyone's looking for a role model. Everyone's looking for a leader. And unfortunately, if you reject the ones you got, the other options aren't that great either. Yeah, there's a there's a lot you said that I wanted to respond to in there. Um, back up to the beginning, we were talking about kidnapping. Yes. And <laughs> and the sad thing is, you know, our mindsets are so permanently changed about so many things based on advertising dollars. Um, such as kidnapping, like the news is going to run a story on child kidnappings because they know every mom is going to watch it. So they'll get more advertising dollars from the advertisers, which if they do, if that works once, then the next news thing is going to have child kidnapping because they're going to get more money for it. I mean, they don't care if, you know, it's actually happening or not. If your business is growing, you're pretty happy. So you know, that for the news cycle, that's why that happens. You can just scroll Yahoo News or any online news source and see it. You know, I, any single headline that hits, it's just bam, 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 bam. The, the exact same headline on every single blog repeating every day for until it's dead and until the ad clicks start going down. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. So like as soon as the ad dollars started coming into media and news, which was around the time the internet started taking off and cell phones and all that. It's kind of when the, the U.S.'s psyche went downhill a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of it is money-driven, unfortunately. Um, uh, and then you said so many good things after that. Where did you take us after that? Oh, man. So we went the kidnapping to the lack of sovereignty for teenagers. Oh, like yeah, looking, of, yeah. Yeah, looking at who to follow. And it, again, mm -hmm. for me, you know, it takes it back to being a, an involved father. You, you have to be intentional about your impact you make on your kids. When you come home from work, you can't sit on a couch and watch TV because your kid has been on the screen at, at school getting fed these other messages all day. Like You have to be there interacting with them, putting your vision on them, if you have a good vision. If your vision sucks, get it fixed. You know, If you don't, have, if you don't know what you're doing with your own life, then you got to work on yourself because you know you have to be deserving of sharing your vision with your family. Um, so yeah, they're getting bombarded constantly by all these outside messages, which puts such an onus on parents and mentors to have their shit together, to be able to be worthy to share that with their family. Um, can you share something with us about an older student or an older kid you're working with that's like 17, 18, that's on their way to college, maybe onto the next level of life. And maybe someone you've worked with in that age range. And maybe they have fear, trepidation about going on to the next level. I would imagine that when you're that age, you're really kind of nervous and you think you're a kid, you think you're a man. And have you ever worked with anyone in that age range that's really struggling with kind of like an identity crisis? Because I think a lot of kids right now have an identity crisis. 
because of mixed messages from the media, from their family, from friends. But I'm really curious about that age range, like 17, 18, kind of almost becoming a man. No, I feel you. Ironically enough, I was like, man, I got I got all kinds. I got two first. I get you at the 23-year-old who is starting over again. And the thing, because I also, working with the nation, I've gotten to experience what happens when they don't address it. And it comes up again, end of college. So before we, that rabbit hole, um, I got a little bit of experience, thankfully more of like a mentoring guiding scenario of like that full on like, now what? It's so much fun because it's like, what do you want? Like that first, it's that, uh, that deer in the headlights look of like, oh man, this is different. It's like, is it? Because like, thankfully, one of the, the first one, he had already been new at college. He knew exactly like that path. Mm. And the other one is like, you know, okay, it's going to be like military or it's going to be this. Like the path is like narrowing down. And so it's one of those like, okay, like one of the first things was, hey, it sucks. You can stop. Less so military. Uh, for obvious reasons. But college, man, if you don't like it, you don't have to be there. And it's like, wait, well, what about, no, no, that's when it switches. You're mm-hmm. an adult now. The consequences get to be yours. If you don't like it, it doesn't fit for you. You're not engaged. You don't, you're not expanding. Don't do it. Start looking at the other options, whether it's the trades, whether it's the military, whether it's traveling and joining a thing whatever that thing is have a plan and you are in the perfect window um oh, i can't find it right off the top of my head there's a book over there so i read a lot of them about how generalists and the contradiction between the tiger mom theory that this you must know your purpose know this do this that it turns out all those kids as they become adults either one hit wonder Mm-hmm. or get replaced in the grand scheme by annual income and ability by the time they're caught up. Like they just get a head start and then everyone catches up and surpasses them. Mm. And the guys like you and me, who are the generalists, those who've done a lot of a little things, they get way farther ahead because they have the ability to problem solve alternatively than those who ultra specialize. So you can pull from your days being mm. on that call center. You can pull from your days doing all those different jobs. So that's been the number one thing with the guy that's panicking, like, oh my God, what do I do? How do I get, how do I get there? The young, especially the young guy who's been forced structurally down one path. It's being like, hey man, you just move forward. A buddy of mine says it the best because your GPS does not work until you take action. So guess I like what? that. Take action. That's a good, it's a good quote. Because if you're standing still, you're not pointed in any direction. I like that. Um, yeah, the tiger mom thing. I had I went to music school and there was a kid who was like mm. a savant. He was a prodigy. And you know, he was groomed his entire life to be the saxophone god. And I was the by far the worst saxophone player coming into my college. I was, I remember being so nervous my freshman year. We had a, 
my saxophone professor is like one of the best players in the world. And I was in his studio, this classroom full of like the other 20 undergraduates and graduate students who are the best. And I had as a freshman at a high school, had to stand in front of them and play a music piece on my saxophone for them. And I remember my legs were shaking. I was so nervous. And one of the senior girls after it was so embarrassing, she was like, oh, I saw you shaking up there. You must have been so nervous. Are you okay? I was like, oh my God, I'm going to kill myself. But <laughs> anyway, so I started off the worst and this kid came in the best. You know, he, he came in as a freshman. He was one of the best action players in the whole thing. He had perfect pitch, which means he could hear any, any pitch and identify it. So everyone thought he was going to be you know, saxophone Jesus. And then he, after about six months, quit out of the college, worked himself to the bone, expectations. He hated it. And it doesn't play saxophone anymore. You know, he's yeah. done. It was like six months into his freshman year. And then me, I just, I kept working and, you know, ended up winning a concerto competition as a junior, you know, different scenarios but it kind of goes back to what you were saying like if you're just super controlled and guided 120 percent of the time a lot of times you just you just get burnt out yeah and you're taking you gotta meet them where they are like i would i would love you know uh, a different time or we can grow up right now like what even got you inspired to be a you know saxophone player and stuff versus what inspired that kid to be a saxophone player? I assure you those stories are substantially different. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's like, so take the average, like just take another 17-year-old. He's got life choices. Take me when I was 17. At 16, I knew exactly that I wasn't going to college. I had had to have forced interviews with the principal, both guidance counselors, AP, like the advanced placement teachers mm -hmm. would grab me in the hall and tell me, and all of them had the same story about how much of a waste I was <laughs> wasting my talent. Like the epitome of just shaming the bejesus out of me because I wasn't going down the path that they said I had to. Like I was throwing my life away. And I was so lucky at that time to have a father and mother that say straight up like, hey, they're still alive. So I have them now. I realized after I said it that way, <laughs> uh, that they were like, we don't care. If you choose not to go to college, you're gonna pay rent. However, we don't care what you choose as long as it's yours and you have a plan. And I did. I, I got lucky and I found a old school teacher. Well, like that was my first experience with a mentor. The old school uh, welding instructor. Kind of guy that would throw a metal at you if you were late. Mm -hmm. And like that's kind of like you will beat me in order to get out. And that that having that option alternatively was just like, just wait off even though i end up still going and joining the marines it was knowing that there could be other options and it was okay after everyone yelling at you saying you have to do this so the average kid doesn't get that option the one-off chance that they don't like i stumbled onto that option yeah. if i didn't get that i'd have been just another kid showing up to college going 
I don't want to be here, but I'm supposed to be. Yeah. So I guess I'll pick something. Yeah, that's a that's really sad and extremely wasteful when you see that. I mean, that's probably half the kids you talk to who are in college. You know, what do you want to do? I don't know. Communications degree. I don't know. Business degree. I don't know. Three hundred grand in debt. For I don't know. You know, and if like I, I I'm already telling my kids like you don't have to go to college, like for what's possible. Like you can go. Like for me, I went. I decided to be a teacher. And, you know, went to college for for your degree, had debt when I left, you know, and then teacher salary. Or, you know, you could go to a trade school, very little to no debt. And after a couple of years, be making six figures if you're in the right field. Um, and then, you know, my I have some siblings who are uh, went to the military, got good jobs at the military. They paid for all of their college, you know, then they have jobs and they just were able to bank all that money. We're able to leave, get a good job after that. I mean, there's a lot of different routes you can take that aren't the standard go to high school, go to college, get a job. You know, I mean, if you're passionate about it, like I, I chose what I did because I was inspired to do it. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, it could also, you could be not inspired to do anything, but you do it anyway. And actually, I would, at that point, it's something so important. Um, you said inspired to, and you said that, like, you, you know, that it inspired you because you had the time to, like, if you think about it and you make a choice for yourself, well, what happens when you are 24-7 attached to, like, just being bombarded with other people's messages and other people's opinions? If you don't have a way to ground, if you don't have that, oh, I used to run to my friend's house. Yeah, that's where I made my best decisions or whatever the case may be. No one taught you like as kids, no one teaches you that all that time riding your bicycle was actually practicing mindfulness. All that time running to your friend's house, practicing mindfulness. Like if that's not an option automatically and no one teaches you that like, hey, this is called mindfulness. You can use it to sort through problems. That's how MacGyver, again, to age us, that's how MacGyver was created, was a guy used mindfulness techniques to build all those crazy, like, how would he do this? Um, so that being said, if you're not taught ground, you're not taught meditation, you're not taught mindfulness as applicable ways to actually use it in your everyday, not sit and own you know, at 17, just, hey, man, you can do X, Y, and Z. Try it, become aware of your body, and it'll start telling you cool stuff. And so if you get that early, imagine what you'll be able to do later. And it won't be, oh, God, I got to join this fraternity or do this or pick this college degree because I don't know, I'm so scared. It's like, that's all fear-based. Your head's going a mile a minute. Your heart's racing. You don't even realize it unless you know those tricks, you know to go, wait a minute, why is my heart racing when I'm trying to pick a degree? Why are my legs shaking when I'm about to perform? Like, what's going on here? And you're like, oh, wait, that crazy guy, Mike said, hey, I can do box breathing. And then, and then it's like, okay, now that I pause and I thought about it, yeah, that's not for me. I got a stomach knot. 
And it's not because I just ate some random pizza. I have a stomach knot because I don't really am that comfortable going to college. It turns out I get excited calling others and my shoulders lift up and my chest pops up when I talk about electricity. I'm going to go be an electrician. If you give that awareness to a young man or your, anyone's kids, whether it's through the father or through programs like mine, you substantially change the conversation. What has been like the number one issue you see that your aged kids are, are dealing with? Like if you could pinpoint one thing. I would say to me, it's the belief that they like the number one thing, the group, the last group I just went through is a lot of them just wanted to be happy. And when we talked about it, the more honest answer is they just didn't want to be scared. They didn't want to be, they didn't want to be just reacting. Am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? Oh, uh, that teacher yelled at me. Oh, this friend just said we're not friends anymore. Oh, this is the new trend. Oh, this is that. They're just reacting. It's like they're in a boxing match in the bell world. So they don't have a corner man to sit there and go, hey, take a breath. Get back down to center. Get back down to center. You don't have to react. This guy is actually telegraphing everything before he throws it. If you can just kind of move through, start counting his punches. So kids aren't happy. They're dealing with some in, internal struggles and turmoil. Um, some of the re, some of the reasons I see for that are social media, like we talked about, it's pressures from family or friends. Um, and it's a lot of things, but yeah, I think that's not just a a kid thing. I think that's just a, a person thing. Is the the desire to be happy and also, there's also the the hoping that you are happy and waiting for it is also mm. a is also a flaw in itself. Like the pursuit of happiness is kind of like a misguided destination. Because really, I mean, as soon as you, no one is ever just happy forever. It's not like oh, I I completed these five steps steps at the age of 24. Now I'm happy. No, you have to have strategies for dealing with everything when it comes. When you're happy, strategies for dealing with that. When you're sad and anxious and stressful, it's going to come. Even if you were happy yesterday, tomorrow you could be depressed. You know, whenever it does come, what's the strategy for dealing with that? And are you a person who can withstand that when it comes? You know, I see a lot of kind of mental toughness um, skills that could be enhanced with kids and especially teenagers. It's, and they're not getting that from anywhere. So you can't really blame them. You know, there's no really lessons on being mentally tough, but man, they're being barraged so much by so much difficulty and stress these days. They, we have to kind of develop a toughness within them to where they can withstand it and continue to not be affected so much because yeah i mean tomorrow they could get a they could get a comment on their instagram that says they're the they're the crappiest person in the world and it could happen from a complete stranger you know and they have to get to the point where they say yeah that could happen but i'm still me you know i still mm -hmm. i still did the things that someone like me does 
So it doesn't really affect me. You know, I feel like building up, building themselves into the kind of people that can withstand struggle is also something that could really benefit them. I would, I would expand. I love that. I agree. Um, being able to withstand struggle and I would expand and say, start like from my perspective, one of the big things I'm a fan of is you start with how you talk to yourself. If you have so much confidence in your value, your work, what does it matter what some person, random stranger says on their Instagram? What does it like? Yeah, that hurts. You go ding out. And then you just go, okay. And that guy must really be going through it. You got someone that goes, oh, this is, it's all your fault. Like you're standing there and it's all your fault. Like I've done work the bar post doing the work, like the work of personal development and worked at a catering event and watched people freak out. And you're like, okay, so you want more ice and uh, a little more liquor in your cup. Okay. And just completely de-escalated and they don't know what to do with it. Mm. Because what they're saying has nothing to do with my value. And if that is like the one little key that you can take home, take it. It is literally if your if the value of yourself is so high, then it's completely understandable that everyone else is, is their own shit. Because it's not personal. It's their stuff trying to come at you because you trust yourself. You trust the voice in your head. And you're like, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I am where I'm supposed to be. And if I have doubt, then I take care of it. I will go and get answers. I'm not going to just take random answers from people I don't trust. I'll go find my peers and have like a true connection with those men and say, hey, I, you know what? I'm not so sure about what I'm doing. Yeah, it goes back to the reactionary lifestyle that you're talking about, living living based on what other people expect of you, living an outcome-based life where you're saying, if I don't if I don't hit this amount of followers, if I don't hit this amount of likes, if this thing doesn't happen, then I'm unfulfilled, then I'm unhappy. And when you do that, you're really letting your life be judged by the outside world, and you're not really defining who you are. You know, whenever you say, okay, I do these things every single day. And if I do these things, I am the man I say I am. Like if I say I'm a strong man and I don't work out today, then I lied to myself. Then I'm going to feel crappy about myself. And I could probably feel anxious and stressed because there's an internal conflict. But if I worked out, I ate healthy, I was disciplined, then yeah, I am a strong man because I, I said I am. And then it's backed up by actions. And it doesn't matter what someone says. Because if someone comes up to me and says, oh, you're weak. It's like, no. I don't, doesn't matter what you said. I did the things a strong man did. And it kind of, if you do that over and over and over again, you know, you develop an internal confidence that is hard to be sh um, shaken by an outside world. Kids need that. They need that, especially with social media. Like who cares what this comment said? doesn't matter. You are, if you did the things you say you are, then you are that person. Like every day, you just define who you are and you back it up with your actions. Look at 20-year-olds right now on social media. Look at 20-year-olds right now in the workplace. They are just now stacking wins of self-confidence. I mean, look at our peer group at 30. 
they have now finally stacked enough more than more than most where they've just finally stacked enough wins where now 30s is the well it's me like i'm me i say no to the girls i i don't go i don't go out on friday night because i have a gym class for saturday morning and they accredit it to being 30 okay what if we taught stacking wins at 13 what if there wasn't a two decade window that you had to learn to value your own intuition, your gut, and what your body was telling you before you trusted it enough to actually listen and put your ideals first, your purpose first, your mission first, instead of just blowing in the wind from desire to desire of other people. It takes time, like you said, it takes time to build that up. So why not start early? What do you mean by, can you go into, I've heard it before, but, um, and I know what it means to me, but in your, in your sphere, talk about stacking wins. Can you give me some examples? Yeah. So I borrow that from pretty much anybody that talks about it. Yep. Um, so that being said, my belief on it, my perspective is stacking wins is just trusting yourself. So it's something, it can start as simple as like you said, I am a strong man. Strong man takes care of his body, eats the things he needs, takes the rest he needs, and sleeps when he needs to. That's a strong man in my book. So I would book, 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 book. Cool. That day, total win. The next day, I miss a couple, and it's like, am I a strong man? Okay. No, I didn't. I skipped it for this reason or that. And then there's no punishment because you're like, wait, no, I was a strong man yesterday. I missed a day. I'm going to be strong man tomorrow. And you showing up for yourself because then you stacking those wins. It doesn't mean perfection. It means consistency. And it's picking whatever you need to be that consistent. So a teenager right now, it's a, I'm a man of my word. Okay. What's the man of your word be like? I show up to every, I show up and give 100% of whatever my energy is to all of the classes, even the ones I don't want. Okay, what's that look like? I don't know. That means you're in an art class that you have forced to take. Instead of sitting there the entire time saying, man, I don't want to be here. This is crap, da 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 And part of you is like kind of popping up like, oh, yeah, but like, I don't know. Let's get curious. Let's try this. No, I'm a man that shows up for my work. Cool. So that means in art class, I'm in art. Show me how to color. In computer class, I'm here. Show me how to web program. Am I going to use all those skills? No. But I'm a man. Shows up for my work. And then later on, when someone says, like, hey, you want to come to this party, blah, blah, blah. I committed to something on Saturday. Well, I mean, come on, man. There's all these girls here, da, da da da. Like, you know, like everyone else is coming. I committed to something on on Saturday, and I'm a man of my word. That's great. That's something a lot of kids could could use. Um, and it's just a simple concept that really can change your life. As yeah. if you do something, you know, anything it could be financial. You know, especially health wise, you just all these small decisions that compound over time that that can change you one way or the other you know i remember when i was living alone in salem ohio my first my second job 
I was able, I did P90X. I did P90X beach body workout by myself for eight months. I got shredded and best shape of my life. Got down to like 167. It's crazy. And then I got married, honeymoon. And on my honeymoon, I ate like crap the entire week because I felt like I deserved it. And then <laughs> that week changed my life. It was amazing. One of the best weeks of my life, but health-wise, it was not good. Because I got during that week, I got so addicted to like pina coladas and fruit drinks and all this stuff. I we came home, we had all this alcohol from our wedding. The entire summer, we just had parties and and drank and ate like crap. And then you know it was like multiple years where I would I never looked like that again. And it was just little compounding decisions that I made every day that changed me. You know, originally it changed me for the better. You know, I, whenever I was doing it, I was doing P90X, I was doing meal prepping every single day, every single week was in containers. And it, over eight months, I compounded and shot me ahead. And after that, it went downhill. And it's hard, it's hard to, to rebound. And it's hard to see it whenever it's happening every single day. But then you take five years and you look back and said, Oh, crap, for the last five years, I did that. I wish I hadn't done I wish I could have changed five years ago. So it's nice that, you know, someone like you and are kind of trying to adjust their rudder a little bit early. Yeah, it's, uh, it's great that you said it that way, especially where you're like, all right, I had this and then I chose a different path. And one of my mentors, an amazing human, uh, Robert Wonderlich, uh, professor for those in the BJ, BJJ community, um, professor Robert Wonderlich, because he's a third degree black belt amazing man absolutely terrifying and yet amazing at the same time like because of the fact that you're like in the back of your head it's like you could murder everyone here okay mm -hmm. got it uh and just the kindest person because of that reason um epitome of dangerous but not a danger and he told me a, a metaphor that was amazing it's you have a you have a pattern right that you those drinking and all that stuff that was, a, that was a trail in the woods. And when you think in your head of a well-worn trail in the woods, it's smooth, it's easy to traverse, a lot of other things use it, it's just the easiest path. However, you're still stuck in the woods. When you see to your left, out there, you know there's a, there's a beautiful valley. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be sunshine, enjoyable. So what do you have to do? You have to jump off that trail. It's really hard to do that at first. There's twigs, rocks, brush, everything's in your way. And so every day, you just knock a couple branches out, take a couple rocks out, and just keep working. And you find yourself falling very easily on that wood path again, because it's so smooth and so easy. So you, every time you find yourself, you just go, oh, huh, wait, climb out, start walking left. What happened? Well, you start wearing in a new path. It takes time and you will, as you obviously, because you don't look like someone who smashes pina coladas before this call, <laughs> you do walk into the path. What I am working with with the young men is before that path, because it is formed. This is the kicker. You talk to anyone in the gestalt, uh, the gestalt mindset. Like Dr. Dewey Freeman, that teaches that's our elder. He talks about 
you form most of your morality, most of your patterns from that zero to nine. So they're, they're set. They've modeled off to their parents. That rudder is on its way. That path in the woods is already being formed. It's kind of smooth already. However, ours is like a chasm. Yeah. So right now I can show them, hey, you can walk left. And it's a lot easier when it's just a, oh, just jump over there and start walking versus like, hold on, let me climb out. Okay, that was exhausting. Then start walking left. Yeah, I guess it's it's the same for learning languages and anything. It's the same teaching music. The, the younger they are, the earlier you can catch them, the quicker you can teach them correctly. And the quicker you can you can change a pattern. And it it is it's it's frightening thinking about that. You know, if you're a, a a father with kids, and who are getting older, and you have behaviors yourself that you still need to modify and and change for the better. You know, you you think, man, this is a serious character flaw I have. Every time I come home, I, I drink five beers, and my son is watching me for two hours drink beer, and now he's twelve. Like that is part of his life now. You know, man, I better make a change right now, or this is going to end badly for me. But worst of all, it's going to end badly for him. Like the thing, the actions that I do right now, my kids are watching me and it's deepening that groove, as you say, you know, it's, it's making their patterns of behavior permanent. And yeah, the earlier you can change, the earlier you can change them, the better. So you said you're, you do jujitsu? I no, I have I have very very briefly done jujitsu, not compared to them. They were okay. that's part of the men's group. That's the uh, they've been poking. There's been many of them. The poking the bear, like, hey, bro, when you joining us on the mats? Okay. Uh, I was last year. I was I just recently finished it. I got my 200 hour yoga teacher training, mm. and so part of that deal was let's not throw out my shoulder when I need it. So now this year is like, okay, find a, find a, a academy and uh, settle down into it, which goes perfectly in with the dangers, but not a danger of the mentality of like, how do you show up for your family? How do you show up as a man? You show up confidence that if the bad things happen, you can take care of it. Yeah, you should do it, man. I've, just, I've been doing it for three years now and it's so much fun. Such a great stress reliever. I mean, if you're doing yoga, it's the same thing. I hate yoga. I love it and hate it. I remember back in the P90X days, they had 90 minute yoga sessions and just sweating my ass off in the garage by myself, like yelling out loud. It's just so painful. Like I would, I would do the, the, the plyometric jumping squat workouts 10 times before I did the yoga session. I just hated it. Just, I hated it being in that position, so low, uncomfortable, stretched, and then it just hurting so bad and not being able to get out. Because then it's just a it's just a battle with your brain. It's like I could just let myself down and it could all end right now. Like yeah. I I could just have all this pain go away. But if I do, then I'm a bitch. So it's just that constant, it's just that constant war with yourself in yoga. I, it's I hate it, but then when I was done, I never felt better. Like when I'm yeah. done with yoga, I feel amazing. Yeah, I, I have to say uh, a little different versions of yoga, which I have actually seen some of the P90X, so I do totally understand. 
Uh, I remember the ab workout. Someone brought it to uh, base one time. Like, ab ripper X. This. And I was like, this, no, why would we ever do this ever again? Yeah. Uh, and um, that being said, though, with the yoga, it has been immensely entertaining as a Marine vet to surround myself with people who make fun of me until I invite them to join me. I'm sure. Like, hands down, they're like, oh, like, doing that weak stuff, all that. I'm like, fantastic, man. Come join me. The room starts at 90 degrees, about 80% humidity. <laughs> Come join me. Like, we're going we're gonna to stand one-footed for a while. Like, wait, what? Yeah, we'll get there, though. We're going to do, like, a whole bunch of deconstructed burpees first and then do this and do that. And they're just like, yeah, man, it's it's a little bit more than just uh, kumbayas. And like, it is all of that too. And you don't start there. You meet someone where they are. Like I was like, uh, yoga is for a week. And then I died the first time. And I was like, okay. And then after a while, then it was like, I'll be damned. When I match my breath to my movement, I get a clarity. And when I look at something, and then send my breath there, I could stay longer in the pose, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, I I love the one thing I do want, the reason I want the BJJ is because of that conflict. It's important mm -hmm. as men to have conflict yeah. and constructive conflict. To be able to test your will and at the same time, I can quit at any time in yoga. I can meet my body where I am. Yeah, I, I'll have that internal conversation, but I could quit. If I just decide I don't want to play while I'm already being choked, it's not going well. Like, you know what I mean? Like if I have someone locked in and all of a sudden I just go, you know what? My shoulder's a little tender. Eh. Like until I tap, it's, it's still on. So like that is a reminder for life. Like there's going to be a lot of situations you can control and you're the one who decides when it's over. And there's going to be a lot of scenarios where you don't. So you better be prepared for both. Excellent place to end this because I want to be respectful of your time here. It's a good last yeah. quote. Um, thank you so much. This was great. Um, a little over an hour. It's perfect. Um, can you tell us where people can find you your handles, website, any of that kind of stuff you want to share. Absolutely. So uh, for the fathers, ah, man, I will answer every question, all questions all day to the end of time. You can, uh, mothers, same thing, even the teens. It's at Mike at manuncivilized.com. Instagram and social medias is Mike Perspectives. Mike Perspective. It's a play on words on purpose of my perspective. It's always changing as you gain new information. Um, I'm there and I'll share it with you, uh, Chris, is I have my link tree, which has all the podcasts I have done, stuff that is coming up, the book that inspires me, um, the nation itself, if they have questions about the nation. And I am like, this is it. I literally get up in the morning and I go to bed at night focused on this. So questions, comments, bitches, complaints, I'm here for all of it. Awesome. Thanks so much, man. And we'll have to do this again. Yeah, absolutely.